Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Hallelujah. Look at someone close to you. Tell the person Jesus loves you. And has a word for you this morning. Hallelujah. Please kindly have your seat. Glory be to God. Amen and amen. This morning we congratulate Mrs. Ajiri for her jubilee birthday. Hallelujah. Can we put our hands together and appreciate her? Amen. Hallelujah. 50 years strong. Not, not 50 years old. 50 years. And she's strong indeed. She's a very strong woman. Not 50 years with one leg suspending in the hospital bed. You know, uh, no. 50 years strong. Hallelujah. So congratulate you and your loving husband. They've been part of this vision from day one till date. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And I celebrate God. My prayer for you is that you will go from strength to strength in Jesus' name. Somebody say, God is a good God. How many of you are going to celebrate your 50th birthday? Let me see your hand. That's if you have not crossed. For those of us who have crossed, praise the Lord. You will get there in Jesus' name. Nothing will stop you in Jesus' name. At 50 plus, you will look very good. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God is a good God. Amen, amen. Are you ready for the word? Are you sure? All right. Can you put a little base on this small and just beef the volume a little bit? Okay, we've been looking at um, overcoming spiritual slumber. And we said spiritual slumber is unbelief. Is that not true? It is that mindset that makes us go to sleep on who we are in Christ. And we have to overcome it. If you're going to progress as a Christian, you cannot afford to be sleeping spiritually. And we said there's a mindset responsible for that. So we've been teaching from the Word of God to show us how to overcome it. And we said that Overcoming spiritual slumber involves serving the Lord. And serving the Lord begins from where? The house of God. Serving the Lord begins from where? Begins from the house of God. And we've looked at four areas the house of God presents every believer the opportunity to serve God. Because the day you got born again, I told you there are two primary reasons for being saved. Number one, to know him. That's the ultimate of our calling. Nothing can be better and bigger than knowing God. 
Paul said that I may what? That I may know him. The ultimate of our calling is to know him. Because whatever you will become and whatever you will do for him will only be a reflection of how well you know him. How well you pursue him, it's a reflection of how well you know him. And the second primary reason for being saved is to do what? To serve him. Say with me, say I'm born again to know him and to serve him. When you understand that, then you put priority, reverence in the hearing of the word. When you come to church, you don't chit-chat, you don't get distracted, you don't move unnecessarily. You sit down because if I am going to know him, the word of God must become a priority in my life. Anything that downplays the word of God is downplaying knowing him. And what did the Bible say? He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowing him. When you don't know him, Satan takes advantage of your ignorance and begins to torment you. So our ignorance gives Satan an advantage over us. So we must prioritize knowing God. That's why we're a word church. And we said serving God begins with knowing him. Jesus said, come after me, learn of me, I'm meek and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So the first place for serving God is to know him. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, the fifth one we began to look at last Sunday is the fifth opportunity to serve God in the house of God is to serve the Great Commission. And, and I'm going to summarize everything I said last Sunday with this statement, that the greatest opportunity and honor in life is to be a disciple of Christ. Look at your neighbor. Say, with, say to your neighbor, say, neighbor. The most important honor in life is to be a disciple of Christ. Amen. That, that, that's the essence of your existence. To be a follower of Christ is the most honorable, the most dignifying thing that can happen to a man. To be a follower of Christ. Not a follower of man. But a follower of what? Christ. My greatest honor is to be a follower of Christ. Hallelujah. To be a disciple. To be a disciple. And we establish that. What is the great commission? The Bible says, go into all the nations and do what? Make disciples. Is that not so? Is that not so? What is the great commission? Go ye into all the world and make disciples. That's the great commission. And Mark expands it. Say, go into the world. And how do we do that? Preach the gospel to every creature. Go to Mark 16. Let's look at it. These, these are the, the bullet points or the outline of the great commission. Mark 16. I want you to go there. Mark, Jesus summarized it in Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19. But Mark 16 breaks it down and gives us the agenda, the core agenda of the gospel. The core agenda of the gospel of Christ. Are we there? Mark 16 from verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and do what? And preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news of Christ and what he has done. 
Preach the gospel to every creature or creation. He that believeth and is baptized shall be what? Shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. So the, the salvation of man from an eternity of damnation is in the gospel. Any man who is born of a woman, no matter his status in life, if he's not born again, he'll go to an eternity of hell. That's an eternity of separation from God. And the only thing that can free man from the, the death of uh, Adam's transgression is believing in the gospel. And he tells us as we preach the gospel, he equipped us with his name. Somebody say his name. His power. So he gave us a message and he equipped us with what? His name and his power. His name symbolizes his authority to use his power. So he said, what did he say in the next verse, verse 16? He said, as you go preach the gospel, go to verse 16. What did he say in verse 16? Okay, no, sorry, from verse 19. All right, verse 19, all right. Verse 17, sorry, sorry. Verse 17. And as you go to preach the gospel and people believe to be saved, what will follow you? And this sign shall follow them. The word follow means shall accompany them. We're not to follow the sign, it will accompany us. In my name. So the gospel gives us the power of attorney to represent him in his name. The word in his name means we can stand in his authority and wield his power. In my name or in my authority, the Greek word is onoma, in my authority, in my place, in my capacity, you are equipped to cast out devils. So casting out of devils is part of the gospel, the great commission. Not only that, you will speak with new tongue. It doesn't mean you will speak multiple language. It means you're going to speak with new tongue or spirit tongue, a spirit-enabled language that will come out of your mouth. Go to the next verse. It said, and they will take up serpents, and if they drink any poison or deadly thing, what will happen? It shall not hurt them. Because Jesus is aware that as we go to preach the gospel, there will be an attack from the enemy to poison or to harm. But he says, if in the event they go preach the gospel and they drink, he didn't say you should go and drink poison. I hope you know there's a difference. He didn't say you should go and say, see, see, look, I have power over, but give me poison, you will die. Because you're not obeying the Bible. He said, as they go preach, if, see the word if there? If there is a setup to poison them, to prevent them from preaching the gospel, what did the Bible say? It shall not, there is an immunity that goes with the one who is committed to preaching the gospel. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. And what will happen? You'll recover. Go to the next verse. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat down on the right hand of God. Go to verse 20. And they went forth. Are you going forth? They went forth. What were they doing? They preached the gospel everywhere. And the Lord walking with them and confirming the word. What word? The gospel word. With what? With the signs we just read. With the signs following them. And the Bible says, Amen. Somebody say Amen. 
as the gospel mandate. We've been called to go forth and preach. And every believer has been given the ministry of reconciliation. So you don't have to be a pastor to preach the gospel. What did I say? You, you, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to stand on the pulpit to preach the gospel. As long as there are people out there, that's your pulpit. Your company is your pulpit. Your workplace is your pulpit. The marketplace is your pulpit. Anywhere you go, anywhere you operate, you go for business, you go for pleasure, you go for family, everywhere is your domain. You have a mandate from heaven to preach the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what we are saved to do. That's what we're called to do, to preach the gospel. And the local church, our job is to train you, equip you through the word of God so you can go out there and preach and demonstrate the gospel. We're not just to come to church and turn church into a club, you know, into a social something. And when we now think church is about marriage, it's about baby dedication, all those are good. But they are only good as our focus is right. Once the gospel is not in view and it's not emphasized in a local assembly, then what we're doing is like a barakbo thing. We're missing the point. And God is not going to anoint our baby dedication or marriage if we do not preach the gospel. Once the gospel is out of the focus, then we're not doing what he sent us to do. Somebody say, I hear you. All believers have been mandated, 2 Corinthians 5.19. Just as God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, that same Christ is now in us, which means God is also in us and wanting to reconcile all men toward himself. Somebody say amen. amen. This morning I'm going to look on uh, reward, the rewards for preaching the gospel. That's part of what we need to equip you with so you can challenge you and release in you the anointing, the commitment, the grace, the focus, and the passion to preach the gospel. The rewards of preaching the gospel. Say with me, say there's a reward in preaching the gospel. I didn't hear Say there's a reward. Some of us don't even know what they are. And the Spirit of God taught me this from Scripture. I've, I've heard some messages on that. But it showed me two powerful rewards of the gospel. Write this down. There is an urgency to preach the gospel. There is what? What is urgency? It means it's urgent. There's an urgency, daily urgency, weekly urgency, monthly. See, the way the disciples preached the gospel was as if Jesus was going to come the next day. Jesus said, I'm coming back. And you know the thing he did about his coming, second coming? He only gave us certain signs. And the signs he gave has to do with preaching of the gospel. He said, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the nations of the earth, and then shall the end come. Is that not so? Is that not so? So that means the only indication he gave to us that shows the coming. No, it's not just the signs that are going out there. If the preaching of the gospel is not a priority, then we're not ready for his coming. Because he will come anytime. And because he will come, that second coming puts upon us the christian the urgency to preach the gospel if there is no urgency in your heart to share the gospel of christ then that means something is wrong with your understanding and your following of christ 
If there is no persuasion, there is no drive, there is no passion, there is no fire, and there is no zeal. See, preaching the gospel doesn't mean you are going to start a church. It doesn't mean you are a pastor. It simply means you are a representative, an ambassador of Christ that has been given a ministry to share Jesus wherever you go. That's the essence of your living. So there's an urgency. But let me also add, in addition to the urgency of preaching the gospel, there's also a reward of preaching the gospel. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 and verse 17. There's a reward to preaching the gospel. And if you understand that, it will change your life this morning. Satan understands the power of the reward of preaching the gospel. So you know what he will do? He will try to make sure you do not emphasize the gospel. He will get you busy with the affairs of this life. That's, that's what he does. Get you so busy in the name of, you know, the cares of this world. Huh? You know, pursuing your things and doing your... So you're so busy. It makes you... You don't even have time. You know, you have to pursue this job. You have to get money to pay your bill. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to marry. You have to have business. You have to buy land. You have to build house. You know, all, all, these, all these natural stuff. He puts those pressures on you. And, and you don't see the need or the urgency and the reward attached to the gospel. You forget that every opportunity of blessing in your life is an opportunity to share Jesus Christ. Say amen. Why do you think God demonstrates his goodness in our life? It's so we can tell others about him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The reason God demonstrates his goodness in our life is so that you and I can tell others about him. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 and verse 17. It says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of or to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. If I don't preach, people will go to hell. I don't think if you understand what that really means. If I don't tell people about Christ and the event they die, they'll go to hell. And there are many who have gone to hell who are wondering why you were their friends and you never told them about Jesus. Wondering you were very close. You went out together. You did some things together and you were living very close together. Every Sunday you go to church and you never told them on, about Christ. One day they were traveling, they died in an accident, and they found out that they were in hell, just like the uh, rich man. They woke up, lifted up their eyes, and they were in the torments of flames. They said, why am I here? And finally, it dawns on them that it was because the message of the gospel was not taught or was not preached to them. And they said, but I have this neighbor. Because that's what the rich man said to, to Abraham. He said, please, I beg of you. I have seven brothers. They are very stupid like me. They have coconut head like me. They, they have the same pride like me. They have the same stomach. Please, I beg you, send someone to go and tell them so they don't come and end up where I am. Do you know the kind of prayers people in hell are praying today? That, that, that lady that you used to see that everybody knew, and, and when you was not born again, and, and somehow, sadly, she did an abortion and she died. And after the abortion, she woke up and found out that hell was real. And she now remembered I have three sisters who are, I have been discipling in my ways. 
Oh God, please. Oh God, please. Let somebody go and talk to them. And, and, and Abraham said, if they don't believe what was said in the world, nothing else, even if somebody rise from the dead and go. Because the guy said, if somebody just need to rise from there and go and tell them, say, at the sofa for here, may they not come here. He said, somebody doesn't need to rise. The word is already out there. And that was even under the old covenant. Now we are in the new covenant and God has given us a word. People are dying every day and going to hell. You probably don't know that. And that's one of the heart pain of the father. I have made the solution available and yet people are still dying without the solution. And I've committed. God invested a lot in the Christian, in the believer. Do you understand what it means for him to down the cross and to invest the expectation of redemption in the church? He, he, the necessity he gave to us was handed in trust to you and I so we can share the gospel to people. Because without that, then there's no reason for it. So Paul said, necessity is laid upon me. He said, whoa! It's me if I preach not the gospel. If I do not preach it. Verse 17. For if I do this thing willingly, and you should preach the gospel willingly. Whenever they announce for evangelism, some of you don't even bother. When I mean you don't show up, you don't, it doesn't bother you to show up. You go about your normal activity as if nothing was said. Because the church just gave you an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. And there are many people who are lost and deceived out there. Their minds have been blinded by the God of this world. Last time we went with evangelism, two weeks ago, I told you of a guy I met. And, and when he had learned the religious language, but he didn't know the truth. When he kept talking, I asked him a very simple question. And we're just talking. All the things we use in church, all those languages, it is where? Holy Spirit, the Word. I said, do you understand the gospel message? What it means to you as a person? He didn't know. And by the time I shared the gospel in less than two minutes, he understood that he wasn't even born again. He was taking the error that because he was born into a Christian family, automatically he inherited salvation. The fact that you're born to a pastor's family doesn't make you born again. It doesn't. Or you're born to a very religious family. Your father was born inside the church building. Your mother was born inside the church building. All your children, they were born in church hospital. It does not make you save. Hallelujah. Did you hear what I said? Verse 17, for if I do this thing, this thing, what is this thing? The preaching of the gospel, the sharing of the gospel. You were traveling and you sat close to someone and the Holy Ghost said, tell that person about Christ. You were too obsessed with your pride and fear. You couldn't open your mouth and tell the person Jesus loves you. You are afraid. Or the popular one, I'm ashamed. What do you mean ashamed? You are not ashamed. You are stupid. What do you mean ashamed? You can do so many things. Is it to preach the gospel you are ashamed? No. Paul said, necessity is laid upon me. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. But listen to what he said. If I do this thing willingly, what did he say? I have a reward. So that means not only is there an urgency to preaching the gospel, there is also 
or reward. Did you see that there? There's a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation or an error of the gospel has been committed to my trust. I, if in the event I refuse not to do that, God is saying, you are wasting heaven's expectation on your life. I have committed to you the grace to unveil the good news of Christ to your generation. And if you don't do that, you are a waste. You are a misfit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The following, what are the reward of the gospel? The following, I'm going to show only two with you this morning. Write this down. The first reward of the gospel is manifesting the joy of heaven. Say that with me. Say manifesting the joy of heaven. I didn't hear you. I did not hear you. What is the first reward of preaching the gospel? I am not sharing something that is trying to cajole you. I'm sharing you something that is a reward of the gospel. Manifesting the joy of heaven. Everybody say the joy of heaven. I'm not talking about the joy of man or the joy of earth. I'm talking about the joy of heaven. Heaven is where God is. Heaven is where God is. It's God's presence. It's God's place. Heaven. So when we talk about the joy of heaven, we're talking about the joy that comes from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the word heaven refers to a domain, a realm, a place, a reality. There's a joy of heaven that God wants to share with man. I want to say this, digress a bit. Many today are seeking vanities without realizing it. What did I say? Let me repeat that. Let, what did I say? To, you, to help you appreciate what I mean by joy, many are seeking vanities today. What do I mean by that? Turn your Bible to Mark 8, verse 34 to verse 38. What do I mean by seeking vanity? What do I mean by seeking vanity? Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. The word vanity means that which is vain. That which is what? Vain. Or that which is empty. That which is vain or that which is empty. Vanity means that which is vain or that which is empty 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 vain mark 8:34 it says and when he had called the people unto him with his disciple also what did he say to them he said to them whosoever will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and what follow me can i say this to you listen when you when the pursuit of life it's about you yourself then you are pursuing vanity 
when you make your pursuit you the center of attention number one is idolatry because god didn't create you to pursue you god created you to pursue him are you hearing what i'm saying because in him we live we move and we have our being as the poet have said we are his offspring what offspring mean? means god is our root we are extensions of him jesus said i am the vine and you are the branches so your root is where in god remember when peter said you are christ the son of the living god which meant that the root of christ is the living god is that not true that when he rose from the dead he said to mary don't touch me yet i have not ascended into heaven i have not gone to my god and your god and my father and your father means the same root that i have is the same root that you have and that root is the living god so if you're living and life it's about you brothers and sisters you are chasing vanity you may have a good job you may work in an oil company you may even live abroad but i'm said i'm sorry to say you you are chasing vanities if god is not the focus driving your energy and driving what you do i'm sorry to tell you you are chasing vanity verse 35 for whosoever will save his life the word save his life will prioritize his life whosoever will save his life will do what he will lose it and i'll tell you why but whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospel so we ask we are to live for his sake and the gospel are you hearing what i'm saying we, we are to be Christ and gospel by us. Our energy must be centered around the Christ and the gospel. Our drive, our excitement, our joy must be centered on Christ and the gospel. Otherwise, brothers and sisters, whatever you are doing, you are going to lose it. People spend their earth time chasing stuff chasing things pursuing interests by the time they want to die it just turns on them that whatever they thought they have acquired they will leave it behind even if you leave it will will you be there to enforce it eh? or when, when the person dies and go and the children are fighting among themselves will the father say oh yeah oh yeah when i come 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 we settle this matter he can't do that. Once he's dead, he's gone. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? See, what, what men are fighting to keep, they'll lose. They'll lose it. Look at what he says in verse 36. Verse. So the only way to keep whatever you're doing is to prioritize following Christ. And the gospel. Everybody, verse 36. Can we read verse 36 together? What did he say? For what shall it profit if he gain the whole world his own soul? 
What gain? The word profit means what gain will you get? If you gain the whole world, if, if you make the world the source of your joy, what are you going to gain? Bible says you will not gain anything. If that which gives you joy is stuff, people, things. Well, Bible says what will it profit you if you gain the whole world? The only time you're excited is when natural things are there. So the source of your joy and your phone is physical things. I'm married. So when you are yet to be married, it's as if you are Who told you that because you are single, you are miserable? You're not miserable. Those are lies you've believed about yourself. So you now make a mission by fire, by force. I must get a husband before the end of this year. Now, those who got the husband by fire, by force, this husband must live my life. Or this woman must live my life. See, when God does not supervise our life, we make a mess of it. Do you understand that? When God does not supervise our life, what do we do? Make a big mess of everything. You don't even understand why God has blessed you with financial means. You start showing off. If you're a man, you start bossing your wife around. Come on, come here. You treat your wife like a property. Come here. Now let me feed you. You forgot that the air that is keeping you is God that gave you. Or you're a woman, you have financial means, you now feel that you have power. You can talk anyhow, you can do anyhow. You can insult any people. My wife was telling me a story years ago. When we started driving, uh, when I had, because the only car I bought in my life is 190, Mercedes-Benz. See, a woman, you know, there was a driving altercation. That's why the fruit of the Spirit must guide your heart when you're driving in the traffic. The woman came and felt probably she didn't make a right move, pursued her to a point, blocked her with her car, looked at the car, you know, just looked. No, I think that was a different story. There was the other one that looked at the car and said, you driving 190, you want to scratch my car with this, your conko? Conko? Everybody say conko? Yeah. Because if you go and hit 190, 190 is raw pan. Most of all these cars are synthetic fiber. Is that not so? But, but she just looked at her with that, you know that down look, just she. And, and why is she feeling that? One, because of the kind of car she's riding. And she feels she's privileged and more powerful. Stupidity in abundance. Misdirected stupidity. So you think it is what you wear and what you drive that determines your value over somebody else, you are a fool waiting to be discovered. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? So look, what, what, what people even celebrate? They've even created a show called Idols, which is an insult to God. Nigerian idol, American idol. So people want to become an idol. Why? So that people can celebrate them. The, the celebration of people is not the new cocaine. The new drug. The likes. The, the trend. It's not the new drug. So people can... We, want, we watched a movie, family movie, in two days, in Netflix. 
and, and we saw the damage social media can do to people. As some people literally are almost passing out, having palpitation because followers stop liking them. And they are willing to do, to scheme, to kill, to lie, to do anything so they can get the drug of human appreciation or validation. Some of you are even sitting here, you are even feeling that your life is not complete now because you don't have some things yet. Christ in your life does not mean anything. You are not satisfied. Except you are riding SUV. Except you are living in a duplex. Except you have social amount of money in the car. So you are waiting until you have stuff. That's when you feel, hey, no, nah, nah, don't start. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and what? Loses his own soul. You are pursuing vanity. Without Christ, things lose their place. Why do you think the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world? Because he that loveth the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't love God and things at the same time. See the way you're pursuing that your work. It's as if your life is attached to it. You can do anything for your work, but not for Christ. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole? You see, some of you, you are only focused, committed, dedicated when you are doing your thing. But when it's for Christ and the gospel, you switch off. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The Bible says in verse 37, Or what shall a man give in exchange of his soul? The value of your soul cannot be equated with any earthly possession or acquisition. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what Satan is beating people over. He's trying to make them think that their value is in possession and achievement, not knowing that your value is in your soul. So it, it tries to make them downplay their soul. The reason God gave us things is to use them, not to live for them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Did you hear what I said? If you think you have money and, and, and the gospel cannot find its way through that money, you are chasing vanities. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, what shall a man give in exchange for? So verse 38, whosoever therefore, look at it, verse 38, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed. What does it mean to be ashamed of Christ? To be ashamed of living for me, talking about me. Anyone who is ashamed of living for me and talking about me, and of my words in this adulterous, see the way God described this word, adulterous. What is adulterous? That means the word self is not even committed to you. One minute they will praise you, another minute they will slaughter you. Is that not true? Is it not true? One minute they are raising you, oh, you are too much, your friends are hailing you. Then something now happens to you, and the money is not flowing as it's flowing anymore. Is that not so? And, and the things are not working the way you are working, then all of a sudden, all those people that told you they were your friends, you don't find them again. 
That's why I call it adulterous world. What is adultery? Adulterous is infidelity. What is infidelity? That means someone who has no commitment to a relationship. The word is adulterous. They're only looking for who they can get something from. If you have what they need, you have what they want, they will come for you. But the moment you stop having what they need, they will abandon you. Those friends that you think are your friends, they're only your friends because there's something they're gaining from you. If the table will shift and turn, they won't come. They won't even call you. In fact, when they see you, come to the hotel, say, tell us I know this, tell us I know, tell us I don't come out. Say, I don't go, I don't go. That's the word for you. It's adulterous and not only adulterous, it's sinful. Sinful generation. Yet that's the one we live for. Sinful and adulterous generation. Of him also shall, Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me in this world that is not even committed to you, you thought the company was committed to you, they are not committed to you. How do I know? Let something happen to you. Maybe something that handicaps you. Except you are the owner of the company. If they find that there's a handicap in your life, what would they tell you? Well, we are, we are very sorry for what has happened to you. But you know, the interest of our business is bigger than your personal convenience. We will give you a payoff so you can go and settle your life. We wish you all the best in your life pursuit and endeavor. They will quickly look for somebody whose two legs is still working and replace you fast. <laughs> oh, you don't know? Oh, you don't know? It's because sin, adulterous and sin. No, you think the companies are paying you because they love you. They don't pay you because they love you. They are, why, why did they send you for rotation and they pay you allowance? Is it because they, love, they don't love you? They are training you to use you. Oh, you didn't know? You didn't know? All those um, um, uh, illusions they give you, you know, they, they, it's like somebody, like flour when you buy when you want chop for Christmas. You, you feed the flour very well, give them, you know, flour, they say, ah, my God like me. No, no problem, I like you. Say, just gives me three times meal, then puts water, and I call it fluffy, yes. As you are fluffy, salivating and watching you, how you will look inside the pot. That's why it's called an adulterous generation. It's amazing that, that we spend all our energy pursuing the things of the world. And the world itself is not even committed to us. The moment things go wrong, they will dump us in a flash. Don't dump you in a flash. Has anything ever happened to you? And, and all of a sudden, a rumor breaks out. And before you say Jack Robinson, they finish you. They say, ah, not be these people I help. Not be these people I did this for. Hey, so because something happened to me, nobody fit defend me. They can't defend you because it's an adulterous and sinful generation. Jesus said, in the midst of this world, you will not be ashamed of me. You are ashamed of me and my word. You come to church, you behave as if the word of God is not important to you. Is, is that contract, that meeting you want to hold after church, 3 o'clock, that's what is sitting inside your head. That's what concerns you. The Christ and his word, it's not, it's, it doesn't bother you. Jesus said, hey, listen, he said, me also, I will be ashamed of you when I come in the glory of my father with the holy angels. When our pursuit, write this down. 
when our pursuit in this, remember we're talking about the reward of the gospel. When our pursuit in this life is only for the acquisition of earthly possessions and achievement, we are pursuing vanities. Because of earthly stuff. Madam, you don't respect your husband again. Because of earthly things. Husband, you don't regard your wife anymore. You don't have respect anymore. You talk anyhow. You behave anyhow. When our pursuit in this life is only for the acquisition of earthly possessions and achievement, we are pursuing vanities. Can I ask you a question? Why? I will answer you with one scripture. Please put on the screen 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7. Why is it that when our pursuit in life is for the acquisition of possession and achievement, vanity? Just one answer. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 7. And I appreciate Can we all read it all? Everybody want to read it. What did he say? Is that not vanity? When, when you were born and you were crying, were you holding uh, Indomie? Eh? Were you holding something? You came naked. Did you see that? For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we will carry nothing out. So wait till you meet here, you go live out for... The only thing you can carry out is a product of the gospel and Christ. Are you hearing me? What will speak for you when you go? I see there's an in, there's an out. When you go out, what you speak for you when you go out is Christ and the gospel. What Christ came to tell man is that there is more to this life than you see. Are you hearing me? It doesn't begin and end here. Yes, just a transit point. Are you hearing me? After here, what you do in regards to him and the gospel will determine what you carry out. But you will not carry anything from this world. Lando, you no go carry. Moto, you no go carry. Are you hearing me? Your bank account, you will not carry. You will leave everything Yeah. Did you hear what I said? So get your priorities straight fast. That thing that is not making you so engrossed, you don't have time for Christ, the gospel, using whatever excuses that you may like, let me warn you ahead of time. You are chasing vanities. Anything you do that do not have eternal value will never give you joy. You hear what I said? What do I mean by eternal? Eternal means that which is God, because God is eternal. God is everlasting. If all you do is for time, time means, anything time means there's a beginning and there is an end. Is that not true? And that has to do with the natural earth realm. So if everything you do is revolving around time, the things of this world, you will never have joy. Because God did not institute the things of the world to give us joy. Joy, you will never get joy by having a job. You will have happiness. Happiness is earthly, it's terrestrial. But joy is eternal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Anything that you do in this life that do not have eternal value 
will never give you joy. It may make you happy. Many of us have confused happiness with joy. They are not the same thing. Happiness is the excitement you feel in your soul over the achievement of a thing. Happiness is regulated by things. You are happy because things are working well. You are unhappy because things are not working well. You are happy because you got a good job. You are not happy because you are still looking for a job. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are happy because you can pay your bills. You are unhappy because you cannot pay your bill as you want to. Happiness is temporal. Happiness is what? It's temporal. God didn't build us to run on happiness. Happiness is just an occasional burst. We experience happiness from time to time, but we are built to run on joy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So anything you do that do not have eternal value will never give you joy. It may make you happy, but it will never give you joy. Joy is more powerful and enduring than happiness. Many are settling for happiness rather than joy. So they go for fleeting things. You know what they call fleeting? Things that have no future. It was just small. You know. You want to have joy, then God will guide you. God will lead you. You want to have happiness, it is your eye that will lead you. Let me show you the difference. You remember when Lot and Abraham wanted to separate after the quarrel between their headsmen, all right? Then you, you saw Abraham say, you know what? Let's not fight. You go left, I go right. You go right, I go left. A choice was presented. What influenced Abraham's choice was his relationship with God. What influenced Lot's choice was his eyes. He looked. Ah, yeah, nice. It's good to go to America. It's good to go to London. Why? Because one pound is almost 1,000 naira. One dollar is about 700 and something naira. It's very nice. I mean, is it, can you, don't you, do you imagine to be any dollar every month? But is God leading you in that direction? If God is leading you in that direction, that's fine. But if you make a choice based on your long throat and longer eye, he now saw what was very nice. And he said, okay, maybe I will go this side. And he went. Unfortunately for him, his eyes made a choice that was close to a city called Sodom and Gomorrah. And as a result, you know what happened eventually? He lost everything. His wife became a pillar of salt. Why did she become a pillar? Because she was attached to things, acquisition of things. God said, don't look back. When she remember her business, her connection, our meetings with our friends. That one that they do every Saturday. When they go, geez, they talk about what did they happen. And they, they talk about all the things around. Ah, so I don't go see Titi again. I don't go see Fumilayo again. I don't go see Christy again. I don't go see Bibi again. I don't go see Joy. Let me just take one look. God say, sort. Are you hearing me? As he turned, what did he become? So you know what happened to her? 
when rain fall, she was washed away. What a way to end, to become salt. Salt. Why? Because, so Jesus, when he was teaching, he now said, he said, remember Lord's wife. You know why I said we should remember it? That if your pursuit of things gets the back of you, it is chasing vanity. She became salt. Salt. May you not end up as salt in Jesus' name. Amen. What did I say? May, say, say, may I not end up as salt? Say, may I not end up as a pillar of salt? You know what they call a pillar of salt? A mountain of vanities. That word pillar of salt means she became the, the harvest of vanity. When we pursue things with no eternal perspective and value, we will end up chasing vanities. Have you seen fake people before? Eh? And, and some of you, some of you are fake self, so you know. Fake, everything pretend. Yeah, boy, hi, let me see your name. Where you doing? Say, and now this person, hey, this is nice. I bet you could show me. Oh. See, this is your hair. How much you buy her? There's somebody sitting there is looking at you, and he cannot buy. Then you will not be feeling. Even you that is feeling you know, low because you can't afford the hair. You are, you are stupid yourself. Because you think because they are just, you know, boasting about air, boasting about what they have, boasting about what they've acquired, and you self, you never even acquire anything. Even the salary that they pay yourself, you get as we. And, 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 and you not think because your salary is small that, then you not say, oh, my life is a waste. They will not come to church. As I'm preaching, you'll be giving me face and giving me eye. Giving me face and giving me eye. When I say, let's praise the Lord. Shout. I don't do you anything, no. I'm only telling you the truth. Be bony. Get up and go and urinate 400 times in one service. You're doing yourself. Hallelujah. Are we still here? Okay. So, hear this. Joy is more powerful and enduring than happiness. Happiness is momentary, but joy is enduring because it's eternal. Write this down. Our strength comes from the joy of the Lord. Turn your Bible to Nehemiah 8, verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Are we there? Can we read it together? He said, Then he send, said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy... Everybody read that last time. What did he say? Read it again. Read it one more time. What is your strength? What is your strength? 
What is your strength? Strength is a form of power. What did I say? We went for a minister's conference yesterday and somebody, you know, made an illustration of power that is very powerful. He said, if I ask somebody to lift up a chair, that's power. Because power is the ability to do work. Is that not so? Is that not true? Okay, let me prove that. Uh, Rex, please, let me bother you small. Stand up. See that chair you are sitting. Carry it on top of, just lift it above your head. Sorry. No, lift it above your head. Leave it there. Why can he carry the chair? Because he has power. Not strength. He has what? He has the ability to carry the chair. Is that not true? Now, if I tell Mike to come and add this speaker to it, will he be able to carry it? No, no, don't say no. He can. He's a strong person. But he's heavier. Is that not true? Huh? By the time you increase what he's carrying, he needs strength to be able to support it. So he needs power in form of strength to be able to support it. Now, depending on his level of strength, it will determine how much he can hold. Is that not true? There's a point, if it goes beyond the strength level, it will, it will collapse. Is that not true? So do you understand the difference between power and strength? Huh? Very good. Now, if he carries the thing with the speaker for one hour, what will happen? Even if he doesn't put speaker, if he, can, there's, a mis, there's a maximum. Are you looking at my example, everybody? Please keep your eyes on this example. There's a maximum amount of time he can hold that chair over his head. True or false? If he goes beyond that, what will happen to him? His hands will start weakening. So in order for his hand not to weak, so he can sustain for a long time, he needs a version of power called might. Do you understand that? And this is what Christ is to all of us. And that's what joy is. Joy is power. Joy is strength. And joy is might. Please, you can be seated. Thank you. All right? So, the joy of the Lord. Rise up on your feet. Go to two people. Say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Quickly. Quickly. Hallelujah. All right, go back to your seat. Let's finish this. Amen. Amen and amen. Say the joy of the Lord is my strength. Whose joy? Whose joy? Whose joy? Not the joy of the world. The world cannot give you joy. The world can give you happiness, but happiness does not last. Because the moment the factors and the things change, happiness will take a dive. Is that not true? That's why some of you, some of you are trying to run on happiness. That's why you are frustrated. Because things are determining your state or your mood. Okay? Now, write this down. The joy of the Lord is activated by doing the word. 
The joy of the Lord is what? When I use the word activate, it means to switch on. It's just like if you know you have, there's, there's light, Nepal light, and you have a switch that runs wire to a bulb. If you want to put the bulb on, what do you do? You put on the switch. You activate it. So the joy of the Lord is present in your heart, but you have to switch it on. If you don't switch on joy, it won't flow. Is that clear? The joy of the Lord is activated by doing his word. How do you switch on joy? By what? Doing the word. If you want joy to flow, what do you do? Do the word. Say amen. Go, go to Matthew 25 verse 23. Matthew 25 verse 23. If I want to flow in joy, I must do the word. Matthew 25 23. Are you paying attention? The Bible says, his Lord said unto him, well done. This was a parable Jesus gave. Good and faithful servant. Why is he good and faithful? Because he is consistent in doing his master's instruction. So he said, good and faithful. Thou has been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. What faithfulness? He's been faithful in doing the master's instruction. And as a result, as a reward to his obedience to the master's instruction, he will make him ruler over many things. What did he not say? Enter. Enter down into the joy of thy Lord. So how do we switch on? How do we enter? How do we experience and walk and flow in the joy of the Lord by doing what? Doing his word. If you don't do his word, his joy will not be released. It may be present there, but it won't activate. Joy only flows when God's word becomes Lord. You don't do God's word, you're not going to... That's why when you are worried, you are depressed. Because being worried does not activate joy. Being worried prevents joy from flowing. Complaining is a joy stopper. When you complain, joy will never flow. When you get irritated and angry, an out, outburst of Honda, you feel depressed, weighed down, agitated. You start talking anyhow. Why? Because joy, when, without joy, you are a crazy person. What did I say? Say it, say it. You are like a madman. Because you are out of place. You're, you lack strength. The pressure of things are getting to you because joy is not there. Say amen. amen. Now hear me. The Great Commission gives us the opportunity to experience the joy of heaven. What did I say? The Great Commission gives us the opportunity to experience the joy of heaven on earth. One of the reasons God told us to go forth and preach the gospel is because as we go, we have the opportunity to experience the manifestation of the joy of heaven in our life. Because joy is a product of doing the word. So the great commission Jesus gave us gives us the opportunity to experience the joy of heaven on earth. Hear me. You cannot make heaven joyful and your life will not manifest the joy of heaven. 
One of the reasons of you are the way you are, because you don't have time to preach the gospel. You want to walk in joy, preach the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Did you hear what I said? Preach the gospel. Be committed to preaching the gospel. Be committed to Christ and the gospel's sake. Be part of making the gospel happen. Go to Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to stop here. Luke chapter 15, verse 7 and verse 10. Luke chapter 15, verse 7 and verse 10. Hallelujah. What did he say? I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. More than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repent. Hold on, hold on, watch this. How will joy be in heaven? Bible says over one sinner that repents. Is that not true? Is, is that not true? Now, what will make a sinner repent? Everybody say the gospel. Is that not true? The gospel. It's the gospel that will make a sinner repent. A sinner will not repent by your good works or by your trying to threaten the person to go to hell. A sinner will only see the need for repentance when he understands the sacrifice and the love of God towards his life. That's what the gospel is. It reveals Christ and what he has done. And that you don't need to die for your sin because Jesus has already died for you. And the Bible says when a sinner repents, the word repent means a change of mind. Change of mind, why? Jesus said repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The repent means to change your mind from being a sinner to becoming a saint. And it's the gospel that can turn a sinner into a, a saint. So when the sinner repent, Bible says there is what? Joy in heaven. So you cannot be part of making joy happen in heaven and that joy will not speak in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why the first reward of a soul winner is joy. And remember, your strength is where? In your joy. When you are full of joy, no matter what the enemy throws against you, you're going to overcome them. And when you are in joy, you will be in focus and, and you will be in flow with the spirit. Because one of the atmosphere of the kingdom is joy. Is that not true? Righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. So to flow in joy is to flow in the Holy Ghost. So the first reward of being a soul winner or to be committed to the, the gospel is what? The joy of heaven. Manifesting the joy of heaven. Manifesting. That, 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 that's one of the most powerful rewards. Glory be to God. Final scripture. Go to verse 10. The Bible says, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner. And again I say, how does a sinner repent? Through the hearing of the gospel of Christ. Are you hearing me? Yeah, when they hear, they believe. And the Bible said there is joy among the angels. I hope you know angels are assigned to work with us. Huh? A man of God said something yesterday, which is so perhaps he meditating on it. He said, angels are spirits. They can see you. 
but we cannot see them. The reason they don't, we don't see them is not because they don't want us to see them. It's because we've not built the capacity to be able to see them. When you do what you are supposed to do, you will have all the backing of heaven. The resources and the allocation of heaven will speak in your life. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Joy is a force that Satan cannot fight. Joy is a force that nothing you are going through can overthrow. When joy is always present in your life, you will walk in the Holy Ghost. You are going to walk in victory, one, one level of victory to another level of victory. Hallelujah. Let us rise up on your feet. Amen. Thank you. Somebody said God is good. We're going to talk. Please make sure you don't miss the second service. Those of you that have a bit of running away after first service, please stay and listen to the second benefit of, of the preaching of the gospel, which is walking in honor. So please don't go anywhere. I want the church to get this. All right? All right. Lift up your hands and talk to him. Father, we thank you for the ministry of the word. Thank you. Open your mind and talk. Just thank him. In Jesus' name. Father, let this word take root in our hearts and bear fruit in our life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.